1-800-273-8283. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this really, really great edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. I'm so excited to have on the show today a wonderful woman who's a newer friend of mine within, I'd say, the last year, but I feel like I've known her for many, many lifetimes, and so many of my listeners already know of her, if not know her personally. Today's guest is the amazing Patrice Tanaka. Patrice, welcome to the show. Aloha. Thank you. Yay. <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't know. I think I got to know you through Ken Jacobs, whom I got to know through Deirdre Breckenridge. And then, you know, it just, there's six degrees of separation. We have the, uh, some of the same friends in Hawaii, as well as in New York, right. uh, Deborah um, Farone. Um, I mean, I could go on Gina Rubel. I mean, just a ton of friends in common. And I was like, where have you been all my life, Patrice? So why don't you let the audience get to know you? Like I know you tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, thank you for having me as a guest. I'm delighted to be here and, you know, share aloha with someone I adore, who is a new <laughs> friend, but someone who has the warmth to fill, you know, the world. I love that. Aww. So I was born and raised in Hawaii, uh, and I moved to New York City in my early 20s. And I live here. Now I've lived most of my adult life in New York. And this is really home. But, you know, as far away from Hawaii as I am, I always try to live my life with the aloha spirit. And I know you do, too. And that's probably why we we adore one another. <laughs> I'm telling but, you, the people from Hawaii, or even having lived there for six years, like I did, that aloha spirit is not like anything on the mainland. It is something different. It is sacred. It's unique. It's my son, you know, he would not be the man he is today if he had not grown up in Hawaii. And he's a beautiful person because of it. I totally, uh, totally think that um, there's just something different about, I don't know, the things they think are important, right? Yeah, the sense of community. Yes. Um, Barack Obama was born and raised in Hawaii, and he was clearly informed by the strong sense of community and love and support that you find in Hawaii. The Ohana. Yeah. Yes. I agree. Did I ever tell you that when he and um, his entourage would come for holiday every year, um, two years in a row, we hung out with them on the beach. So oh, they, gosh. Yeah. I lived in Kailua where he would stay. Uh, you know, he's yeah. So, yeah. We, yeah, every um, Christmas time, um, we'd spend Christmas of course at home, but then between Christmas and New Year, we would stay in the presidential cottage at the Kaneohe Marine Corps base. And he and his oh family would go to Pyramid Rock and we'd hang oh. out. <laughs> oh my God. I still have not met him in person and I would love to do that. The closest I came was that I saw his motorcade in Hawaii, all those <laughs> Yeah, I've seen it right? a couple of times. Yeah. Right, and actually I was supposed to meet him because a friend of mine and I were going to buzz a steakhouse one night, but I was sick as a oh, dog. Oh yeah. And of course, that's the night he he shows up 
at buzzes. So I was he really- He loves buzzes. Um, I know, I know. And he used to play uh, tennis at Kailua Tennis and Racquet Club, which where I usually pay, play when I go home. But they play really early in the morning. So of course, by the time I rolled in at nine or 10, they had been <laughs> long gone. So close, well, but, you know. <laughs> well, it's his loss, I'll tell you. It's his loss. <laughs> yeah, that's the way I look at it. <laughs> I will tell you, I went to, I used to work out when I, when I lived in Hawaii, I was in great shape and I would go work out at the Marine Corps base and that's where he would work out. So we would see him there as well. But um, also, um, do you know, this is, this is funny because you probably do know these people, Lisa Privatera and her husband, Dr. Um, Pyle, Richard Pyle. Do you know Dr. Pyle? Her name sounds vaguely familiar. I don't think I know. Well, them. she's a science teacher at uh, Le Jardin, where my son went to school, and she was at Buzz's one night when <laughs> Obama uh, went. Uh, and I'm telling okay. you, you know how science people have their stuff together, and they're always measured. And she totally lost her stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm it's such so a fan. Yeah, if I saw him as well. I, yeah, you would. You would. He's amazing. His energy is so warm and it's like a, a warm blanket. I mean, he's very kind. He's very great listener. Um, his voice resonates so beautifully. I mean, you know, it was it's he's amazing. He has an aura, if you will. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I consider that something that he, you know, gained because he was born and raised in Hawaii. I agree. I yeah. agree. Yeah. Well, let's talk more about you than Barack Obama. I like you both, <laughs> but <laughs> this show is about you. Um, oh, okay, why don't you right. tell us, you know, what brought you to New York and what do you do there still? Okay. Well, I actually came to New York because of Ginger Rogers. I was living in Hawaii and as a young girl, I grew up on all those black and white films uh, starring Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire, right? And nice. Always, they always seem to be dancing at some swank supper club and dressed to the nine. She was always in a long, flowy evening gown, and they were always dancing, you know, um, in each other's arms. And I thought, oh my goodness, what am I doing in Hawaii? <laughs> in New York City, right? In New York yeah. City specifically in the 1930s and 40s because I love let me ask you about that so I'm not too much younger than you I remember the rainbow room when it was all the rage and when I was a little girl my family would bring me there did you ever go there during the day um I I have been to the rainbow room but unfortunately not um you know the way it was in its heyday yeah you know, the heyday, yeah. Live orchestra and people dancing. Um, I would love to do that. And I know they were doing that like once a month pre-COVID. So hopefully once we get beyond COVID, I am going to make it a point to go and actually, you know, dance. You know what? I am committed. So my husband and I have made a promise to get to New York City at Christmas time once oh, COVID. Yeah, yes. once that well, is gone. I will, we will bring you, right? Yes, so we'll have to get rainbow. together. And you do bet. That. Such a New York thing. That's but on I my came, list. Yeah, but I came to New York because of Ginger Rogers. But as soon as I got here, I totally forgot about Ginger. And I just focused on my first job at a PR agency. And actually, you know, uh, you know, had a very long career in PRs. 35 plus years. I wow. 
yeah, three award-winning PR agencies. And that was the, kind of the first chapter of my life. And then my second chapter uh, was starting my consultancy, Joyful Planet, which I did uh, five years ago. And Joyful Planet is both my vision for the planet of 7.7 .7 billion people living their life purpose and leveraging their talents, their expertise, and their passion in service of other people and our planet. So my work through Joyful Planet is really working with individuals and organizations to help them discover and live or operationalize their purpose so they can unleash greater success and fulfillment and joy in their personal lives and in their workplaces and in their communities. So that's what I'm- Let's unpack that a little bit. So um, first of all, folks, those of you who don't know Patrice, she personifies her brand. I mean, she is joyful. She, and, and look, I always say in this country too often we know entertainment, but so rarely do we know joy, right? Aww. True joy. You and your, your work is, it's amazing. There are people and companies that consider themselves purpose-driven, um, but is that just a PR statement or is that what, you, you know, like, are they really? And when you go to work with companies, they become, if not really, um, if it, it was just a statement before, they certainly transform and become truly purpose-driven because you seem to open so many eyes, right? You really unveil a lot of really um, well, powerful. I actually think that if people are helped to discover so they can actively live their purpose. They open their own eyes because nice. their purpose. My own personal purpose was, and I articulated this 18 years ago, and I've been living this purpose ever since then. But the purpose that I articulated uh, to my executive coach was my purpose in life is to choose joy to be mindful of that joy and to share my joy with others. So it was a three-part purpose. Choose joy, be mindful of it, and share it with others. And frankly, just by following my prescriptive life purpose, I have produced, unleashed joy for myself simply by making the choice of joy and being mindful of it while it was going on and then not hoarding it but sharing it with others by because by sharing it with others you know so much of it just comes right back to you so, so true my focus is has been on joy everyone has a different life purpose and a different focus but ultimately i think when you are living you know your truth your life purpose and accomplishing what matters most um that it is a joyful thing so whether or not you specifically articulate joy in your life purpose it living your purpose will unleash your joy do you think most people in our country know what joy is though Wait, like i guess everyone has to define joy for themselves um and you probably wouldn't have a business if everyone already did that. But helping people to find their life's purpose, I think, is one of the greatest callings anyone has ever. I've never, you know, that's pretty powerful, frankly. Um, I know. And it's just such fulfilling work because when I help someone to 
articulate their life purpose and they and they totally you know resonate with that life purpose it excites them and inspires them to live their purpose this is their life this is not me imposing my purpose on them right um but they see the truth in their own purpose and then are excited to to actually begin to live it and i think that if you don't know what your purpose is or if you have a vague idea but you haven't articulated in a statement of you know no more than 35 words and the reason for that is you need to be able to memorize your life purpose and you need to be able to recite it to yourself every day more than once a day uh, and to share it with others freely because that's how you actually inhabit and live your life purpose. And it's not just words on a piece of paper because what I tell people is you not only have to memorize, recite and share your life purpose, you have to do something every day to actively live your purpose. And the reason that I write my life purpose statements for myself and others in a prescriptive way is so they know what they need to do every single day to actively live their life purpose and become stronger every day to accomplish what matters most to them in life. So, you know, there's a lot packed into a short, succinct articulation of purpose. And here's the thing, most people don't know what their purpose is or they'll right. they have a vague idea of what their purpose is, but they'll never go through the exercise of actually articulating it word for word in a succinct statement. And if you cannot do that, you don't have total clarity about your purpose. And if you don't have total clarity about your purpose, you can't fully live it in any area of your life. Now, it, whether that's your personal life or your professional life. And a lot of people, because they may be unhappy at work for whatever reason, they think it's because um, they're not living their life purpose. Well, one, if they haven't articulated their life purpose, they don't know what it is and they don't know then how they might more fully live their purpose through their work and in their personal life. So they're kind of half awake and feeling unfulfilled because they're half awake. You need to fully, you know, understand and have clarity about your purpose in order then to be able to actively live it in every area of your life. Obviously, I get very evangelical about this. So maybe you know you might want to stop me before I keep going on and on. I know I look, I love what you say and do and who you are. What I was thinking while you were talking and I didn't want to interrupt is that we so often have this knowing doing gap but you take it one step further. You make sure people know their purpose, do their purpose, then live their purpose until it becomes right. one with them. Um, and I love yeah. that. So few people take that first step to even write it down. And I do believe that you, um, I'm not saying you must write things down in life, but for me personally, it helps me to realize those you know, goals and objectives and dreams. If I write right. it down, focus on it, it becomes real uh, to me. Uh, let me yeah, ask, and this, this is probably a silly question. I was going to yeah, ask yeah. you, what is your pro proudest professional accomplishment? But I'm guessing, I guess, I'm guessing I know, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
well, actually, I usually cite two, but you know, in oh, yeah, my, tell me that's great. If you yeah, have, you are well, more than my in my earlier career, my PR and marketing career, I guess my proudest accomplishment then would have been leading a group of colleagues in a management buyback to start an employee-owned PR agency, PT and company, and then building that agency by focusing on uh, operationalizing our business purpose, which I articulated as to create great work, a great workplace, and great communities that work. Now, this simple articulation of a business purpose, and we didn't use the term business purpose back then. This was in 1990. Now, everyone is using the term business purpose, and that's great. But back then, I was just looking for a way to succinctly communicate who we were, what you know, what we were focused on doing and how we serve the community at large, which is essentially what a business purpose is. So our business purpose to create great work, a great workplace and great communities that work actually helped our startup PR agency to be recognized within eight years as the number one most creative PR agency in the country and the number two best workplace among all PR agencies in the country. And this is part of the reason that I'm engaged in the work that I do right now, because um, I do work with organizations to help them discover and operationalize their purpose, because I know firsthand how powerful that is, right? To have your whole organization focused and driven by what you articulate as your business purpose. Now, the same thing holds true, I realized 12 years later when I went to an executive coach and she forced me to rethink my purpose in life. And I came up with what I said earlier that my purpose in life was to choose joy, be mindful of that joy and share that joy with others. And how much I, my life kind of took off in a, in a direction that I had no idea I would be going. And so I've been living this purpose for the past 18 years. Both of these things, my firsthand experience of what a business purpose can do for an organization and what a life purpose can do for an individual is what convinced me that the single best thing I could do to support others is to help them discover and articulate and actively live their life purpose, or if they have a business to discover, articulate and operationalize their business purpose so they can unleash greater success and fulfillment and joy, right? So- And I, I think for people who are um, inextricably linked to their jobs, like so many of us are, mm -hmm. you know, that's helpful, right? You wanna have joy in where you spend most of your life yeah, right the exactly attention yeah so yeah. Um, gosh I, I think that people could actually have more fulfilling work lives and jobs if they knew their purpose so they could you know more fully live their purpose their life purpose within their the business that they work the organization they work in and in fact i i often talk about how you know, purpose-driven businesses are great and we would want every business to be purpose-driven and create value for all of their stakeholders and 
contribute to the greater good. But even better than being a purpose-driven business is being a purpose-driven business driven by purpose-driven employees, right? Right, right. Even Everyone that- getting on board with finding their own personal right. purpose and professional purpose, and then collectively. Right. I get it. I get it. That's so, yeah. so great. Yeah, to me, it's kind of a no-burning well to you yeah i mean some people who live that automaton life in a in a and that's most people i think most people in uh, are not happy with their jobs right so i think if you can help change people's uh, minds shift their you know heart head led to heart led work um and whatever they do with their hands becomes more meaningful well let me ask you this because we we only have a few minutes i want to learn what has been your biggest challenge and how did you overcome it Hmm. Uh, my biggest challenge. Well, I think uh, if we're talking about business, one of the biggest challenges in business is starting and growing your business, which means winning you business, right? And I think there are two ways that you do this. One is you build a reputation for doing great work so that, you know, new clients come to you and, and they stay with you. And at the same time, you need to build your network of support and always be contributing to that network so that when you reach out, support will be there. And I have to say that most of the business we won at my PR agencies was through one and often both of these mutually reinforcing strategies, right? Build your yes. doing great work and build your network of support. In fact, our some of our biggest clients, this is how we got it. You know, clients like Avon and Charles Schwab and Dyson and Godiva, Claiborne, Microsoft, Target. You know, these companies came to us, as, you know, through the network of support and also, oh, and they have a good reputation too. Or maybe they came because we had a great reputation. And then, you know, there were people who, you know, would vouch for us they knew who worked with us already. So, you know, as I said, they're mutually reinforcing strategies. So I think uh, challenges are only, you know, opportunities to think through how you can best meet and, you know, master those challenges. So those are my two, you know, strategies for doing this. And it's the same strategies that I'm using in growing joyful planet, right? You build a reputation, a good reputation, and you build your network of support. And through that network, you know, you, you, you get business. And that's kind of how it's been happening for me with, with joyful planet. Well, you're amazing. I mean, I would shout your, you know, from the mountaintops, how great you are. Um, Let me ask you this. So this is not something you prepared for, but it's called the wild card question. If you're not game, I won't ask it. But if you're game, I'd like to ask you. Awesome. So I have this box of 144 questions. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm pulling, I'm doing something a little different today. I'm pulling from the easy questions and pulling from the tougher questions. Um, okay. Which, which do you want, the easy or the tough? Uh, maybe the tough. Oh, I love it. You go, girl. It's so courageous. All right. So <laughs> the tough question is, what is a piece of advice you did not take but wish that you had? 
that I do not take, but I wish that no, I... you did not. You didn't take oh. the advice, but you wish you had taken the advice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, you know, I'm a pretty stubborn person and very persevering. And, you know, even if I'm not doing it the right way, if it's the way I want to do it or think I should do it, I will persevere beyond all means, which is not really that bright. But when I started, um, when I led a group of colleagues uh, uh, to start our first PR agency, which was an employee-owned PR agency, and I actually led the this group of colleagues in a management buyback from Shiat Day, a big hot creative ad agency, and everybody took a risk, right, to 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 join me in starting our new agency. And so I thought, and I had never run a business before, that was never a dream of mine. Uh, I thought, okay, well, if everyone has taken a risk, then everyone should have equity, which they did, everyone had equity. And everyone should have a say in how we run the business. So I tried to run the business in a consensus style management, okay? Now, I learned after many years of this frustrating approach to uh, managing and growing a business that this was not the best way to do that. Right. And so I say, <laughs> like yes. Like a true yes. democracy versus a republic. I know, because you know, <laughs> to my un, uh, inexperienced mind, um, I thought, well, that made sense. And so I know now if I were going to start a business um, and have employees um, that I would run it in a more consultative style. Yeah, yeah. I think that's sort of beautiful about the youth, though. Um, we yeah. still have youth today who think that, you know, one person, one voice, right? Right. But the whole exactly. reason our founding fathers created a republic where we have representative um, right. voices is because of what you learned. So that's pretty <laughs> awesome. Um, we're running out of time, but I do want to just say two things. One, I'm going to tell you the easy question was, what was your biggest pet peeve? And then I would like after you, uh, if you want to answer that, you can, but then sure. I would like you to share how can people reach you if they want to know more? Okay. I guess my biggest pet peeve, and I try not to well, there's so many, but I mean, <laughs> flaws that I have, I mean, in me that I uh, work at. That is so not true. But uh, my, I mean, we love oh, everything please. about you. Please. My biggest pet peeve is that I get incensed if someone delivers shoddy or sloppy work to me because I feel it dishonors them and it dishonors me and compromises the relationship that we have, right? Either as a friend or, you know, someone in business. I think, and I always try to do my very best and I expect other people to do the same. And when they don't, I'm shocked at how incensed I get when, you know, when people don't. And so that's, that's my biggest pet peeve, people who, who hand in, deliver, call in, you know, you know, work and don't put any effort into having it be the best that they can, that they can do. So what I'm taking away from that is uh, laziness, mm -hmm. right? So that for me is a pet peeve. People who are lazy, um, you know, at least try, right? 
Uh, right. Yours is a little different, but that's what I take away from it. Well, why don't you tell folks how to get in touch with you if they want to reach you? Yes, thank you. Well, uh, you can just email me directly, Patrice at joyfulplanet.com. And that's my website, joyfulplanet.com. And I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So please, you know, I'd love to uh, connect with you all. And Awesome. Well, Thank I'll put you. all of that into the blog, folks, in case you didn't get a chance to jot that down. I'll make sure to include all of Patrice's contact info, a little bit about her in the way of a bio, and a few pictures that tell the story of her and her life, as well as her headshot. So look for that on my website within a week and a half. And then Patrice, you look for it on LinkedIn. I'll share it and tag you on LinkedIn so that you can reshare with your Absolutely. network. I will all right. Well, you're All so right. awesome. I adore you. Lots of oh, aloha. Uh, right back at you. And thank you. <laughs> aloha from New York. <laughs> and aloha from San Francisco. So, <laughs> take care, everybody. And thank you for listening. <laughs>